0: Welcome to Horses for Future. Horse people can make a difference in the climate change crisis. Together, we're learning how. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. But this podcast is not about training horses. Instead, we're learning how horse people can make a positive difference for the environment. The idea is a simple one. Our horses need pasture, so horse people have land. We need healthy pastures for our horses, so becoming better stewards of the land is a winning combination. It's good for our horses, good for us, and good for the planet. It's been a while since I've visited with my good friend, Manda Scott. Manda is a vet, an author, a shamanic teacher, a climate crisis activist, a podcast host, and a horse owner. And Amanda's also been a regular contributor to this podcast, for which I am very, very grateful, because I always find the conversations that I have with Amanda to be absolutely fascinating. And she pushes me to think in areas that I might not have explored on my own, which is always a good thing. Several years ago, I visited with Manda at her home in Shropshire in the UK, and I saw all these wonderful changes that she and her partner were creating for the land and for her ponies. And I was truly inspired. So when I began visiting around the planet to see what some of my friends have been doing with their land, I knew that I very much wanted to get back in touch with Manda and have the conversation, not about the politics so much of the climate change crisis and, and some of the other aspects of it, but just the practical living on the land. What are you doing? What are you doing to make your pastures better for your ponies? What are you doing these days in your veggie patch? Just the practical, get your, your, your hands down in the dirt, get your fingers dirty, what are you doing? That's what I had in mind for the podcast, but we hadn't talked for a while, so we had a lot of catching up to do. The first hour was just gone before we knew it, and that's because we were talking about horses. I was catching Manda up on some really fascinating work that Michaela Hempen has been doing. Michaela is one of my Click that teaches coaches, And she had joined me the previous week to co-teach a virtual course on managing energy and emotions. And Manda has a couple of young ponies who are presenting yearling horse training puzzles. So we talked training for the first hour. But this podcast is not about horse training. So I'm going to jump past that part of the conversation. And I know for those of you who follow my work when I'm wearing my horse trainers hat, I can just hear your protest now. No, no, don't skip that part. We want to hear everything, but I'm going to resist. Instead, I'm going to jump into the middle of our conversation where we were beginning to steer the ship a little bit more in the direction of climate change and land stewardship. So that's where we'll jump in. There'll be some discussions on the broader topic of the climate change crisis. And then we zero in on, so Amanda, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing with your land? Because you talk to so many interesting people through your own podcast, Accidental Gods. And you read on such a wide range of subjects that I know that you have been encountering ideas and implementing those ideas in your own land, and I want to know about them. So here we go.
1: It just feels like everything is opening up in ways that I'm sure they have been opening up, but it feels in in this and in the shamanic work and accidental gods, and even in some ways politically, it feels as if things are accelerating in potentially good ways. Biden is really surprising yes. me Yes. Isn't it? He gets it. I mean, he might not get it as much as some of my really radical friends want, but, but he gets it a lot more than I thought he did. Yeah, and yeah he's doing he's his doing best. He's doing
0: his best, and the, the, the question is going to be if they can outmaneuver the Senate and outlast the, mm. outlast the voters, so that we get four full years and not two years, where the Republicans get the majority back, because that's that's been the pattern that in the midterms the party that's been in the minority takes over again and then mm. you get nothing done yeah and we don't have time to waste to get nothing done
1: we really don't i i read bill gates's book called how to avoid a climate yeah. disaster which was interesting because then it got jumped on a lot on facebook by people who think that bill gates is the spawn of satan but leaving aside that i really don't think he is he's extremely bright He's he's talked to the people at the top of whatever yeah, he field he's looked into. To whoever he wants. And he completely gets it. And and he is very clear, that and another book that I read, I'll tell you about in a moment. If we emit more than five hundred billion tons more of carbon or its equivalents, we are into a state of between four and eight degrees of warming, which is not compatible with anybody's life no life at all of any sort on the planet and we currently emit the first book that I read said 40 billion a year and Bill Gates said 52 billion a year and he's probably done the math
0: Yeah,
1: and that that was worked out in 2018 that was the starting point for that was 2018 so we're now three years into what was then a, probably a 10 year cycle before it's too late we have seven years to turn the yeah. ship around and I don't understand we have elections happening tomorrow there are local elections in england but there's for the welsh and scottish assemblies and climate change is not on the political agenda of any of these parties not not in a way that you'd really notice and and the, the welsh assembly is doing joanna macy's work that reconnects within the welsh government the work that reconnects is being processed through which is amazing but they can't take it to the voters, because it's not it's not sufficiently high up voting priorities. Which, given the arithmetic just discussed, is very sad. I would suggest. So so hence why we're doing narrative arc, and hence why we're trying to get the money together to make the television as fast as possible. Um, because because if we can, I think part of the reason the more I Talk to ordinary people in the political process. But the more I realise that it's not that they're not aware. It's that they can't see a way forward that that doesn't involve basically, you know, living in a very cold house in rags, eating cardboard because there's nothing else, yeah. and going nowhere, and probably being kebabbed over piles of burning tyres by your bigger and nastier neighbours. Yes, the whole Mad Max twenty eight days later or Handmaid's Tale. We know those because we've seen them. We have an idea of how bad the future could be. Nobody has shown us how it could be if we got it right. I know we've had this discussion before, but it's so high on my list of priorities now.
0: Why not? We grew up on Star Trek. How do we get to Star Trek?
1: Well, it's the route yeah. to get there. It's the, it's the route. Also, Star Trek was pretty colonial, if you don't mind well, my saying so. It, it was, was a lot of straight white men yeah, 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 imposing yeah, yeah. straight white values but, on everybody they yeah, came to
0: you know, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, we've all gone back to the darkest of dark ages, living in uh, holes, looking out to see who's out there trying to club us because we might we might have some rag that they need to stay alive.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. And there was a thread that I was going to grab, but yeah, in terms of how, how do we get there? The Gates, Gates was... Um, his book was was interesting, but he he left out, and, and it really surprised me that he left out um, what's, what is being done in the field of regenerative agriculture.
1: And yes, I mean, didn't he like, just?
0: Oh, wait yes. a minute. But that's a huge... Hang
1: on huge, a minute. Did you not talk to me? Yeah. This yes, I mean, that's yes. such a
0: hopeful area yeah. where, where the potential to sequester carbon is enormous. And it's like... What? Yes. Wait! What, what? We just did. We just did agriculture, and it
1: was gone. Yes, I know. I think because he's very technocratic. Yeah. yeah. I think also. I think he's invested quite a lot of money into kind of Monsanto-style answers, not Monsanto itself, but you know, he's looking at how can we gene engineer the best wheat to grow at higher temperatures. No, like, no, 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 please. But but still, you know, he's still getting it, and he's still talking, and I think if regenerative agriculture gets a little bit bigger, he will notice it. it. I was speaking today to somebody who's started a pilot project in England to get the church land regenerative and rewilded. And the church land, certainly in England, is huge. Next to the Queen, there was a point where they were the second biggest landowner next to the monarch. And I'm guessing in the US, they're probably quite big landowners. I guess. Not the same as over here. But imagine if all the churches... It's probably easier to imagine the Church of England deciding to do that than some of the churches in the us yeah, yeah. but but then all their congregations also know that they're doing it yes because so the, the, the kind of informational spread of that is huge yeah. and and we
0: fascinating. Have, we have such so. oh, we're in such a disconnected place right now so you know there's here in uh, in the us there are all the the black lives matter and that's you know yes that's important but it's going to be meaningless in the face of climate change yes, we're all going to die so uh, yes. if if yes. if we were not faced with the climate disaster this would be the important topic of the day but we needed to have this discussion 20 30 years ago right now we have to we have to focus on
1: having everybody we're gonna have survive seven years. <laughs> then we can have that discussion yes. I know. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because, yes, my friends in XR have got to the understanding that social justice and climate justice go together. Which I think is... Yeah. I've had really interesting conversations. One with a friend who is has been to prison for XR. I think she's amazing. Um, and she said she was part of... She's the Greenham Common movement, so she spent a lot of time in a tent outside Greenham Common. And that the old style trade unionists would say to her, we'll worry about women's issues when we sorted the class war. Ooh. And that me going, why are we worrying about what color people are when we're all going to die yes. in a burning world? If we don't, and they're going, yes, but you, the two are not necessarily dissonant. That if people were to understand social justice they could get their heads around climate justice because a lot of the propelling factors that are maintaining the climate emergency are also social, Yes, which I think is probably yes. true. There's a very interesting book, which I kind of recommend, um, called, hang on, I'm going to get it in a minute, it's by Ken Kim Stanley Robinson, and it's the Ministry for the Future. And he's a science fiction writer, and what he's done is imagined that the UN, after the Paris Climate Accord, set up a global ministry with, in effect, it's greenwashing. They weren't expected to do anything. They were just going to you know, show that stuff was yeah. being done while not actually having any power. But things change. And and in the opening chapter of the book, this is a spoiler alert, so anyone who wants to read it and doesn't want to know what's happening in the first chapter, skip the next minute. But essentially, what he's describing is what's called a wet bulb event, where the thermometer hits 35 degrees centigrade, which is not compatible with life, when there is also very high humidity so that you can't sweat the heat off. And it's happened in India, and 20 million people have basically boiled alive. And that's his starting point. And at that point, something like the Ministry for the Future is suddenly given teeth by people going, oh gosh, there is really actually a serious problem here. We need to do something. And he's worked out how it could work out which is kind of nice to read it's very interesting and again it's i think it's such a big issue there's a lot of room for lots of other people working out different routes but at least he's looked at it and looked also at the forces that the, the main character has to go into hiding because there's a death threat that, and a very credible death threat because there are people who however many millions are dying still don't want the state is going to change, and, and I'm you sure see that. you know, there seem to be people deciding to have civil war in yeah. your country, on pretty much yeah. the same yeah. basis.
0: And you, so the uh the census results were finally published, and for the first time in decades and decades and decades, we've had the, you know, the lowest growth rate in the population, hmm. in something like. 50 years or whatever it is. And instead of celebrating, going, this is great. We're getting our population under control. You know, this, isn't this one of the things that's that has been talked about forever is that we need to uh, reduce the total population of humans on the planet because it's just not sustainable. And we're doing it. The birth rates are down. Yay. Hey, no. It's like, oh. We're, we, the birth rates are so low, we need to now have programs in where we give people incentives for having children. What? Yeah. What? So here's this disconnect. Oh, so Amanda, it's, it's like, <laughs> where, and, and now we went into lockdown, we stopped traveling, we stopped doing all kinds of things, and now people are getting vaccinated. And things are opening up and all the news reports are, oh, it's so great. We get to go back on airplanes and the the, the mm-hmm. uh, number of flights oh. are expanding and they're offering these routes and those routes. And nobody's been listening,
1: apparently. They really so, haven't, don't they? That's, and, that's so distressing.
0: I'm having a bit of a... Plumbing disaster at the house, and they had. uh, (laughs) Oh, I forgot um, to ask.
1: Did you get your drains sorted,
0: Alex? No, it's gotten worse. I can tell by your face. Um, I'm just looking out over a sea of mud right now. So, so the digger was here first part of the week, and they dug this great big hole. And in the process of digging this great big hole, they uh, disturbed a little hole, and the men said, "Oh, there's a mouse," and. It's a bowl, guys. Oh, no, no, it's not a mouse. It's a mole. Um, get your shovel. It's like, so, their first reaction to a nice little benign critter is can we kill
1: it? Is to kill it.
0: Now, they didn't. And you. So.
1: Because you threw yourself in front of between shovel and creature.
0: Well, I think because they didn't have a shovel. But that's their. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have oh. had an absolute fit and conniption. Uh, but that's their first reaction. And then we have it's a, one of the it's an app a forum or something that's a neighborhood next door neighbor it doesn't matter what it is but sort of for the local community if you're looking for a plumber you can get on and say does anybody recommend this plumber or if you if you've got something that you want to grump about you know in terms of uh, the town you can get on that and and I thought it was a benign thing so I. Signed up for it, and it turns out <laughs> to not be Oops. benign at all. Because my goodness, the world is out there, and it sort of comes into my inbox because of this app. And there was this piece day, which is sort of good for me to recognize that the world is not this lovely, rosy place that I live in, that's filled with people who click and train their horses.
1: And oh, everybody, Alex, I'm so sorry, and everybody
0: is nice, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Which is
1: you had four years of Trump. Tell me, you right, right, knew that some people out there were not like that. Yeah, but
0: they're way out there. You know, in my little universe, they're not.
1: <laughs> no, they live amongst so, us. So,
0: and you, 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 know, you just start to think, yeah, we're making progress, and so on. So there was it seems like so trivial, but there was a, a post the other day where my my that said my wildlife camera got knocked over, and there were these odd little pictures of um, various critters that were living under this person's shed. And he didn't know that these critters were living under his shed. So there was a a chipmunk, a rabbit, and I think a probably woodchuck, and he's going-
1: This isn't going to end well, is it? Am I going to sleep um, after hearing this? And he's
0: saying, this is just horrible. You know, I don't really mind the rabbits, except for their droppings. But chipmunks, we can't have those. And squirrels, can't have those. so we have so far to go we have you know that because this really is a reflection of a huge part of uh you know how people think and and it's also how how do you make inroads in terms of climate change and protecting this planet because we can't have a planet on which there are only humans. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. It really I mean, nev- never mind no. the fact that I want to be all sentimental about squirrels in my backyard. It's nothing to do with sentimentality and all, you know, it's yeah. just one of those tree type things. Um, you know, it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. Um, Zach Bush put around quite an interesting video, or at least he was on the video explaining why if we destroy the soil biome, we will be dead within five, you know, forget global warming, yeah. we'll be dead anyway. And we're destroying it very effectively at the moment and it would be good if we stopped. Hence regenerative agriculture again. But yeah, most people aren't going to see that because they're not on the right Twitter feed. And most people still struggle, I think, to link the food on their plates with the the land yeah. and farming and, and living, growing things. Oh, I was feeling quite hopeful when we started Alex, and so now I'm feeling a distressed again.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Guys, I think the younger generations get it. I hope the... Uh, no, let me rephrase that. I thought the younger generations get it, but then face grandkids who are, who, who are face grandchildren and therefore definitely do get it, but they go to this little Catholic school because it's a good local school and they've been allowed in despite not being Catholic, and Apparently there was a wall covered in in ladybirds. You call them ladybugs, do you? Yes, yeah, I know. Little what you little mean. tiny yes. red beetles with black dots on. Pictures. Very pretty, or gorgeous. The
0: actual ones.
1: No, no, actual oh. ones, real ones. So they were all there they, had been a it was a, a week or so ago. So it was suddenly oh, warm, and okay. they suddenly all you, hatched yeah, out. Yeah,
0: we get that. So yep,
1: hundreds yep. of these on a wall, and Faith's grandchild and his friend were rescuing these while all the other children were trying to stamp yeah. them out of existence. And they're five yeah. years old. How? I would never. It would not have crossed my mind. What is it that we've done? Was it that we grew up, and everybody else would have been stamping on them? We just didn't know, or, or have things changed so far that even five-year-olds think it's fun to stamp on?
0: I really do think it's always been.
1: Okay. Well, that's kind of good because that means it's not new yeah. and it's not um, something, it's something dreadful that, that's happened.
0: Uh, somehow we dodged that. But I think okay. it's always been, you know, because the stories of little boys pulling wings off of flies, that's been, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and, yeah, and, just now the yeah, little girls do it too. You know, we're taught that bugs are bad and you need to, if you don't want to actually kill them yourself, you get all squealy and, get somebody to come in and get rid of the spider yeah you know? yeah or they sprays yeah. or and something so it's, it's um yeah you know, it, this this inability to coexist we seem to struggle to coexist with other people and this coexist with other you know with life
1: this is not going no. in a good direction let's think of something more cheerful we have to cheer okay, cheer so, ourselves so up i
0: think that i really wanted to talk to you today and this does relate to the Uh, horses for future podcast is what you've been doing with your land and you know in terms of Mm -hmm. pasture management and the garden and so on because when i was visiting with Mm -hmm. you i was really found that very inspiring to see how industrious you had been you had your polytunnel and the the fruit trees were being planted and and and, you know all of that and and I find it so, you know, I think part of the piece that I find hopeful, I mean, there's a certain amount that's, there's the politics that, you know, the outer the outer world, but what can we do? You know, and mm-hmm. that, where can we have agency and where can we make a difference? And part of where we can make a difference is in modeling uh, things that, that do have a positive benefit. So when you have your horses, you could manage them in a way that they're standing in a muddy, overgrazed field. And so you have horses and, yep, it's what I've always said, horses just ruin the ground. I mean, we hear that, you know, you hear that.
1: Oh, Um, don't we? Yes. Or
0: you can have horses in a way in which the pasture is maintained and improved and you're actually increasing the biodiversity, you're increasing the amount of water that's absorbed through into your soil, you're increasing the amount of carbon that is sequestered, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and I think that is the hopeful piece. So, for example, last year I put in a formal vegetable garden. Yay! And it's uh it's the first, you know, I've I've always grown veggies, but they've they've always been in the the fringes of things and and generally if it was a nice sunny place i wanted to plant flowers not not vegetables but um this was a dedicated vegetable garden and it was uh yeah. it was a delight it was in part because i was staying home i could manage a vegetable garden all of those things and part of why i want the vegetable garden is not so that I can get off the grid and you know be independent and all the rest of it but because in a small way I think it does contribute to a it it reduces my carbon footprint
1: yep definitely
0: that those actions that help to reduce the carbon footprint that I can do on a personal level are important and that if enough of us do it and model it and create a shift in thinking that maybe that'll help 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 to tip the balance a little bit i mean yeah. we have to believe that or we might as well just go have a wild party on an airplane and
1: yeah yes yeah go for a cruise because that is one of the ways of burning the most carbon for the least <laughs> effect yes yeah that's there's so much in that yeah. to unlock. So
0: what have you so let's start let's start with the practical.
1: So what are we doing on our land? That was your question. Let's start with the practical. So
0: I have been so impressed. You know, I love listening to your podcast, to the accidental gods. You've had some amazing people that you've been interviewing. And so I, what I'd like to do is really look just more at the just a hmm. practical what are you doing? And in part because and then I'll then I'll shut up because you've, gotten to t- you've been talking to some really amazing people, that the, the things that you are doing are well-informed choices.
1: I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. All righty. So what are we doing? We're, because there's two components to what we're doing. And one is the horses and the other is what Faith's doing. And, the, and the, of course, they interact because we're on the same land. So the big change since you were here. In terms of the horse management, it's much more behavioral. And the the main big change is that I've taken the summer grazing, split it into seven, and I'm rotating them daily. We, we're at the end of an eight-week drought, which, of course, by U.S. terms is nothing because you know, places in California are at the end of an eight-year drought. But for you know, we're on the edge of Wales. And Wales is the place where if you can see the hills, it's going to rain. And if you can't see the hills, it's already raining. It, it we we should get many 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 inches of rain and in the winter we do it was flooding really badly again this winter but it hasn't rained it rained yesterday a bit they were promising huge amounts of rain it rained for a couple of hours the land is still like concrete the grass is not growing
0: and we sh- we should describe your your land it's not flat
1: no there's a bit there's a there's a bit that's more flat than the rest but none of it's flat <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah but basically your 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 pastures are on a hill
1: yeah. you're on the side of a hill yeah. yeah the summer grazing is is the flatter bit that was quotes improved by the previous owners who were dressage people, so we're really trying hard with that to change the biodiversity, increase biodiversity and and move it away from rye grass. It wasn't really rye itself, but it was It it was grasses that people thought were good for warm bloods, whereas the hillside has never been improved, only ever had sheep on it, and and has a much, much higher species diversity. So what I'm doing with the summer paddocks is mulching them a lot with hay that I've taken off the hill. So when they come off in summer, I, I mulched it with the hay. I am, as of this week, talking to Navona Gallegos again, really going to get create a johnson c bioreactor which i hadn't done so a johnson c bioreactor is um essentially a mesh cylinder about a meter in diameter and as high as you want to make it and through it in the beginning are put uh fairly wide bore diameter plastic pipes and then you fill it and you fill it all in one go and he said he used to do layers of you know Horse dung or cow dung and straw and hay and leaves. And now he just fills it with whatever he's got. It doesn't really matter. And after a relatively short while, and right. they're in New Mexico, so you have to damp it down. We're in Wales, so you probably don't. You can take the pipes out, and they are, you can get all the directions online of the exact diameters and measurements because they've worked it out so that there is guaranteed sufficient oxygen supply that you have aerobic bacterial growth within it. You've got no anaerobic okay. foci because yes. what you want are aerobic bacteria. And you leave it for a year keep it damp. And in New Mexico, this works. And by the end of a year, what you have is a culture that is very, very, very diverse. And he was saying, I listened to a YouTube video that he did, that they were getting bacteria that they hadn't seen for over 100 years. He's a bacteriologist, that's his specialty, and, and so he was plating this up. He was seeing very old strains of bacteria and they were also finding, this one really stuck with me, a little factoid, they got bacteria that would eat through gold. Wow, that's that's interesting. I'm not sure I want to be having that on the horse paddocks, but hey. Um, and apparently he's now, and he spread it at the rate of something like a pound per acre. It's, it becomes you know really powdered gold in its own right and you spread it quite thinly and then you put anything pretty much to mulch on top and he is regenerating arid areas of new mexico desert with this because once you have got that fungal and bacterial life back then the soil can yes. can become alive again um and so combining that with a conversation that I had that we didn't publish because the sound quality wasn't good and we need to do it again but another regenerative agriculture lady who said drought does not cause bare earth bare earth causes drought and so our summer paddocks were getting pretty they weren't bare at all by they were green still but I wasn't liking them so I've really been mulching and I we got a a thing called a rye which is a very big cylinder on its side, on legs, and you pour stuff in the top and you turn the handle and other stuff comes out the bottom. The processed compost comes out the bottom. It takes four days. I I timed it, putting colored stuff in at one end and it came out the other end four days later. And it reaches temperatures of 63 degrees centigrade in there because you're turning the handle, you're aerating it, and it just moves through slowly and comes out as has beautiful stuff that you then mature a little bit further. So I had been using that thinking that was probably enough. And Navona convinced me that I needed Johnson's to Johnson a bioreactor. But the stuff that's coming out is amazing. And so what we're also doing, the area that you saw that had the polytunnel now has a lot more beds in it. I will take a picture to send you. Because Faith, probably just before lockdown last year, I found a book called Evolutionary Herbalism by a man called Seja Popham, who lives in the States. And because it had the word evolutionary in it, and I'm interested in con- conscious evolution, I bought it. I handed it to Faith. And about two hours later, she walked through to my office and said, this is the book I've been waiting for all my life. Yes. I thought, oh, yeah, clever me. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome, my love. Thank you. And she's been studying with Sage, and he is an extraordinarily interesting herbalist who's bringing together all of the most interesting things because she'd studied herbalism before and it was really dry and they were trying to be medics. It was all about chemistry and physiology and biochemistry and it was just dull. And Sages is deeply shamanic and brings in herb lore and alchemy and all kinds of the stuff that's most interesting. So she's back into herbalism. And one of the things that became apparent very quickly is that for herbal practitioners, so we're talking medical herbalists in the UK, most of the stock they get comes either from China or Eastern Europe. And that we got a dehydrator last year, lockdown, lots of time, and began really working with the what was growing on the land, dehydrating our nettles to make nettle tea, yarrow. Oh, we have so much yarrow growing, and yarrow sends its roots down to three meters, and it's just the summer paddocks are now just alive with yarrow, cap. Our own and then comparing what we were able to harvest from the land with what you could buy from organic right. medical herbalists, but still it's brought in and it's it's qualitatively completely different. So we are not quite at farm scale, but at very large small holding scale now growing herbs for ourselves and also for other medical practitioners in the area as a way of reducing yes. CO2, yes. you know, reducing herb miles, so to speak, but also the biodiversity or the biome in which they're grown changes the nutritional qualities and therefore we think must also change the herbal qualities. And And they're growing now, they're growing in the product of the Rhydan, which is, and what we what I was putting in was all of the chicken litter. So I've got all the, chi- the hens and, and I clean them out every morning and they're, breaded it down on the same shavings as the ponies. So chicken litter waste from the house, so any any food waste and we were getting the hop waste from a little organic brewery. It comes in big sacks, smells to high heaven, but it's yeah. really alive because it's you know it's part of the fermentation process. And that all goes in one end and then I would get that out and I would mix that 30% of that with a third of that with a third more hop waste and a third of horse droppings. And yes. rub drop them all together. It was like, it feels like kind of alchemy and baking all together. And then leave that to mature for as long as I can before faith steals it all. And it produces this amazing, alive, vibrant, I haven't done it, but you can just, it doesn't smell. And I think one of the keys to good compost is that if you've got anaerobic digestion happening, it it doesn't smell good because we're attuned to anaerobic smells because most pathogenic bacteria are anaerobic. If you've got good aerobic processes going, it just doesn't smell. And so we've got this this amazing, vibrant stuff. So that was, over the winter, was filling the beds. We just started sewing them, but Faith came back today and said, I sowed all those peas and there's a mouse that's eaten every one. And she said, I can see it. it's running around the poly tunnel, and there's no peas left. They haven't germinated because the mouse has eaten them all. So, leaving aside <laughs> that we seem to be feeding the local mouse population, there's quite a lot of really lively stuff happening, and we're just going for organic conversion. So, that's certification so that we can call ourselves organic. But we, we're looking at whether to go biodynamic as well. And there's pros and cons, partly. Partly because it would be very hard for me then, I think, to take the ponies away and bring them back, might not be legit under biodynamic regulations, but is okay under organic. So, so we're looking at that. Um, so that's about it, really. We're looking at how can we start storing water on the land. Uh, it, there's a pond outside the house. I think it was probably dry when you came. It dries up. It dried up at the end of March this year, and so all the frog spawn died. Um, so we're looking at digging that out and lining it. And using it as a as a mini reservoir because partly because we had a a burst water pipe on the land that I didn't notice for a few days, and our water bill came back at 20 times what it normally was. Ouch. Yes. I, which was quite distressing. Um so yeah, that was so so not relying on on piped water feels good. Also, we're realizing that if you're really trying to revive your own gut biome. And you're drinking water, our local water has fluoride and chlorine in it. This is not good. It's not great for the ponies. It's not going to be doing their gut biomes any good. It's not great for using it to water the plants because you're just watering them with chemicals that are designed to reduce bacterial load because that's what it's there for. So really getting our own water supply is the next big thing, I think. And then yeah I really want to I want I want to get the grazing. I want to get us absorbing more water on the land because it is still like concrete out there and I would like it not to be. But I think that's just going to involve a lot more mulching, getting a lot more organic material on the land at times when the ponies don't need it. But what I found this year, because they've, all year, I've had them in the yard during the day. They've got free access to the stables or not, but they're in a big 20 by 10 one bit and the other bits 10 by 15, I think, metres. And it's either concrete or pea gravel and their feet are so much better i had thrush last year and this year they're out at night enjoying the day yeah their feet are like concrete and i think partly it's renan renan luna particularly just play running around on the gravel quite a lot um and and lily doesn't so much but i think that constant moving particularly on gravel and to a lesser extent on the concrete is just really hardened their feet up which is for a place that's otherwise in the winter yes. really quite wet yeah. <laughs> um, felt good so i'm keeping them in during the day and out at night now mainly just just i've got some hay left and i just want the grass to have a chance
0: so you're moving them you're changing the pasture every day
1: well i just bring them in oh, I, I open the i don't even open the gates because they're already open i come in yeah. and make breakfast and they bring themselves in and i close the gate and during the day i i change the fencing so that the next section is open for when i open again in the evening so they're
0: getting a uh, first bite of grass
1: exactly ideally yes
0: and ideally yeah yeah and then how big are the areas that they're out in
1: there's seven of them in a five acre section so so oh, okay. a little bit under an acre probably face got half an acre. they're not huge but they're enough that they can they can do their sprinting around and playing. and and, right, and right. yeah, big enough to stretch out in. It. Not as big as the the big field on the hill for the winter, but they can really yeah. go for it. But big enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah, five acres is actually
0: quite a large space. When you start dividing it
1: up. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's doable. And we're, we keep hoping that we can maybe acquire some more. You know, the the fields at the front, they're not really for sale at the moment. We're trying yes. to negotiate, but. Probably not going to happen. Um, but there's a, a lovely lady who owns the rest of the hill who's really keen on regenerative agriculture. My, my vision is to have the whole valley regenerative. Yes. Um, and, and it's slowly, over lockdown, I was writing lots of articles for you know, the parish newsletters and things about regeneration and how farmers can be part of the solution rather than constantly being blamed for being the problem. And it's really taken off in the last year um as a a concept so the national farmers union which is a very conservative body has begun talking about regenerative agriculture as the way forward and i think there's regenerative and regenerative and it probably doesn't mean quite the same the way we spell it the way they spell it but um but it's heading in the right direction and there are podcasts now really exploring how to do it on different farms. The people who go, "Yep, everyone told me, you, you know, it's all right everywhere else, but you can't possibly do it on heavy clay in, I don't know, Oxfordshire." And here's my farm with heavy clay in Oxfordshire, and this is how I've done it. And look, this is how it's working. So, and I gather there was even an episode of the Archers or a whole story thread on the Archers, which is the kind of radio soap that is the longest running soap in the world, so it can now never stop, where it loses that place. Um, which is one of those things that that makes my insides curl up even thinking about it. But lots of people listen. And lots of influential people listen, so i'm I'm kind of hopeful that 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 message is getting through, and even our local MP just before lockdown last year we, we held a an evening conference, and he came along and listened, and the point was to look at how can we in Shropshire which is our county, be already making a difference by the time cop 26 happens, which is the the next convention of all the parties which is in Glasgow this year in I think early November was supposed to be last year put off because of COVID and so he's he was dead keen to be able to go there and go look what my county is already doing and so he was he was listening and he has from 2010 when I sat in a room and listened to him saying he didn't know if if climate change had if people had any impact on climate change at all whether it had a human basis he's now saying we have to turn the ship around And he isn't necessarily suggesting ways to turn it around that i think are workable because he's still wants neoliberal free market economics to be the system but he's in his 80s and he's a conservative there's a limit to how much you can expect him to change his mind but he's changed it a long way in in a relatively short space of time so i have i have reasonable hope yeah and that's
0: why i think it's so useful so of us who have horses, you know, what what are we doing yes. that is different from how we would have managed the horses five years ago, ten years ago, twenty the way we grew up managing horses? What is it that we can do that's different? And it's so easy to say, well, that works there, but it's not going to work here. Mm. And you know, I've now talked to people. In the fire zones of Australia and California, they could not be more different in terms of landscape and climate yes. from mine. They're living in what's termed fragile environments, yeah. whereas you and I are living in in, in environments that uh, have a you know they are just wetter. You may be in a drought,
1: but yeah, totally. Um, it's green out there. Yeah.
0: Yes. It's it's green yeah, out there. Yeah, too almost say you can you can abuse the land a lot more before you've destroyed it, you know, in terms of bad horse management. You do the same kind of bad horse management in a more fragile mm. environment and you've yes. got a desert before you Yes you know, in the blink of an eye. Nice.
1: And bare earth causes drought, so this is not good.
0: Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we should just say, Well, I'm I'm in an easy climate, so I can I can get away with bad management. Yeah. Um, You know, it's saying, what can I do, wherever I am, that to manage this land better, Um, that uh, I could turn the horses out on my five-acre field of ryegrass and um,
1: have... And deal with the laminitis, as it happens.
0: (laughs) Yes, have happy (laughs) laminitic horses. I think that doesn't quite go together. Or... I can make some significant changes that mean I have healthier horses and healthier pastures and, and I can feel better about my carbon footprint. And,
1: and I can hold the conversations with other horse people about that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, which I think, you yes. know, this is hence this whole podcast. And Bill Gates was very interesting. At the end of his book, he had his list of what governments need to do. And then he had a list of what individual people could do. And top of the list was become engaged in the political process, which I think is, you know, elections have consequences, and you're seeing that with Biden in the US, that there is movement happening that I wouldn't have dared dream or hope for. He's getting stuff done, which is just amazing, and therefore influencing the whole world, because America is still the yardstick by which everybody else measures themselves. But his second one was to change our fossil fuel use so we're also looking very hard and i'm not quite sure how we're going to afford it but leaving that aside if we can afford it to change our cars to electric vehicles because one of the other factoids oh. that i i came across in my podcasting every liter of fuel that we burn in the car melts one ton of arctic ice that I one that one, that. that one stopped me driving and it's also yeah, stopping was... me from using the box with the horses because the one thing you can get around in electric vehicles as people but moving your horses with electric vehicles isn't going to happen for a while it's just it's no. just not possible so i am reevaluating my ambitions for what i want to do with lily i, ha- I had all these dreams of trek competitions because it just seems so much fun. It's basically orienteering on horseback. You get to go and explore a beautiful countryside. And it's not like endurance where you have to do it fast. You're doing it within that they've got an optimum time. And so, and, and you've got to be able to read maps. And then you go and do the fun obstacle courses. And I just thought this is going to be so much fun. And I still think it would be so much fun, but I'm much less inclined to be carting her around the country. I think we just do exactly, exactly. I can, I can, I not just ride to places. So we're doing that, and we also, I don't remember it was here when you were here, but we've um, got rid of all the fossil fuel heating for the house, and we've now got an air source heat pump, which I was quite sceptical about, but actually works really well, and and is. Quiet. I was expecting to be kind of living with this constant hum of technology and thinking, you know, we've moved to this place with no streetlights and no sound, and we're introducing technology. What are we doing? But actually, it's pretty much silent.
0: So, how does it work?
1: It's a counter current heat exchanger essentially. It's the same as a ground source heat pump, except it's sourcing its heat from the air instead of the ground. So basically, it's a refrigerator in reverse, unless provided the air outside is warmer than absolute zero, which even in the winter, it will be, because absolute zero is minus 273 degrees centigrade. Yes. Um, it has energy in it. And it uses, so it uses electric power to derive the energy from the air or the ground, if you have a ground source heat pump, by, by mimicking the, the, the way that a mouse's ear works or anything else that's mammalian tissue that's quite small and might be exposed to the, to the cold. So mouse's ears don't freeze and drop off because they have these amazing countercurrent heat exchange systems of the way that the arterial and the venous blood flows that keeps them thawed out. So the countercurrent heat exchanger just just heats up, it, and then it's a, just a, a water flow, almost like any other heating system. But the radiators are huge because they're very most radiators are quite high flow, high temperature. You you heat, you use your gas or your oil or whatever to heat your water up to quite a high temperature and then throw it around the house and it radiates out that heat quite fast. These are slow flow and and relatively speaking, a a less of a heat gradient from the radiator to the room. But it works. Underfloor heating is much better. If you've got underfloor heating, it's great. Um, But we didn't have that through the house. But it just means that we're not burning fossil fuels to stay warm because we source our power from... People who are only renewable producers, and I think that's something you know. Every if everybody listening shifted their power source, there must be renewable suppliers in the U.S. Definitely in Britain, I'm sure yes. in Europe, to yes. renewable electricity sources. Shift their bank to somebody who's not supporting fossil fuels, and write to them to tell them that's why you're doing it. Doing that. It. Yes. Um, so we shifted to something called Triodos, which is the sustainable bank over here, and that the persuasion for me on that was not just that the relatively small amount of money that I have goes somewhere else, it's that they are allowed to leverage that money. They can lend many times more than they have because that's what banking laws, that's that's why the 2008 crash happened, but hey, we still let them do it. Right. And so they then have much greater lending power and they only lend to sustainable projects. So that seemed like a, a good choice also. So moving your power, moving yes. your bank, Shift your vehicles so that maybe you don't have to rush out. But the next vehicle that you buy, make it electric. That's right. And then at least you're not right. making them build a new one because of all the problems of it gets very complicated. You know, child slave it slave does. labor, child slave labor in the Congo producing the the cobalt for the batteries. And you think, like, oh God, oh no. But on the other hand, every liter of fuel. You know, every time I fill the car, that's 40 tons of ice gone. I don't want to do it. I just feel sick going into a petrol station now. I think I've filled the car once since I heard that. Yeah, It's been locked down. I haven't gone anywhere. But wow. it's not good.
0: Yeah. And then, and then you think, and we have only eight years to get it all done. So I think, Yes, my next car is going to be an electric vehicle, but I'm not in any hurry to replace my current car because I keep my cars sort of... Until they fall off the road. (laughs) Right, that seems like the way to to do it. And that by the time I buy an electric vehicle, they will be that much better. Yes. And then that one will last me, you know, for another huge chunk. And there'll
1: be more infrastructure. And
0: and then... But... You know, it's like, okay, but we're in this other race. Yes. You know, all of these all of these other normal considerations of, you know, we've got we've got time to hang on to a car for yes. another, you know, however long it lasts, five, seven seven years or, or more. But there's plenty of time. That's the you know, that normal pattern is going to is fine. Yeah. And then the, but the it isn't.
1: I know. Yes. Oh. And and I think, you know, this was the problem with Al Gore's inconvenient truth was it put all of the responsibility onto individuals to change and not onto the fossil Mm. fuel companies to stop selling fossil fuel and stop dragging it out of the ground and actually that's where the change needs which is why Bill Gates was saying that the top of the list of what you can do is to become politically involved and it doesn't mean you have to be out pounding the streets necessarily if that's not your thing it means finding the ways to hold the conversations that don't trigger people that's the big thing, isn't it? Yes. Particularly in your country where where the whole climate debate has become so siloed and so traumatic. Yes. I'm, I'm going to interview sometime soon for the podcast a gentleman from a group called Braver Angels, which is in the US. He's a black Republican, but he set it up to start the conversations across the divide. And they're really looking at how can they do that using technologies, social technologies developed by people who, who work with the really acrimonious divorcing couples, and, mm. and how can we, and one of the, really talk to each other, one of the things that he does is you get the groups in, and then they talk amongst themselves, the Republicans on one side of the room, Democrats on the other side of the room, but then they talk to each other of what they believe the other side thinks about them, so I as a Democrat oh, will tell you what I think you as Republicans think about me. And then I will hear you say what you think I think about you. Ouch. And then we'll see where, is that, tr- is it true that I think that about you? And if I do, is there any basis to that? And, and if I don't, what should I be thinking about you? And it's not, yeah, you said this yeah. and I said that, and you're wrong and I'm right. It's, it's where are we both actually starting from? It's back to the loopy behaviors. Where are you that- actually starting And how can we move differently? Because by definition, the people who come are the people who want at least to begin to try to cross the divide and have the conversations. Yes. Yes. And I think that is is, really important.
0: It is what we
1: were talking about
0: earlier. It's uh, Here's where you are. Now go find a baseline and a starting point.
1: Yeah. And find a clean loop where nobody's triggered.
0: Find a clean loop. Find a clean loop. Find an environment in which you can have a conversation. You know, so you're not in an environment that is going to trigger. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yes. So it's where where is an environment in which you can begin to have that conversation? It may be that you know you well. We can't really talk about the weather because that takes us straight to climate change. <laughs> but,
1: you know? No, but we'll find something that we can talk about. That's
0: always the the go-to when you don't really want to talk to someone. Nice weather, happy today, or it's raining today. <laughs> Fancy that! Yeah. Or it's not raining. We're in the middle of a night. Must have something drought. to do with
1: oh, climate change.
0: Yes. Yeah. You have to yeah. find the things. Okay, that, that, that goes climate. a little too fast. To, yeah. To, but we'll get there. We'll get there yet. Yeah. Oh, we well, we have to get there. Yeah. There's no choice.
1: We well, if we don't get there, it isn't because we didn't try. That's where I've got at the moment. Is right. I will give it everything I've got. And if we don't get there, we don't get there, but it will not be for want of me throwing, throwing everything I can yeah. at this.
0: Because I, I have a fairly active and vivid imagination but I cannot imagine the failure. Mm. I, my, I can only imagine that we are going to continue on.
1: Right. And so then those of us who do imagine that have to imagine what it looks like and how we get there where that's looping us back to where we started. And The Ministry for the Future, Kim Stanley Robinson. It's a really interesting book that takes us at least a step in the right direction. But I think that's the single most important thing that any creative person in any sphere can do now is imagine a future where we get it right and show us how we get there and show us that it's a place that everybody wants to get to. The weird QAnon, MAGA, whatever, total climate skeptics, also, would want to get to, and will join in yeah. getting there.
0: And it can't. Getting there cannot be. Well, those of us in the United States have access to the vaccine, and we're vaccinated, and so we can go off and 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 do whatever we want. While India, mm.
1: yes, is at three million dollars.
0: Co- yeah, is collapsing in, under the 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 weight of the virus and it cannot be that kind of we'll get there but the rest of
1: you won't quite it doesn't it doesn't happen like that no no this has to be the the whole planet yeah yeah which is why the social justice and climate justice have to go together i think yes It's, it's not just the global north that's somehow going to pull itself up by its bootstraps and and everything else frazzles that's not how it works so we
0: will we will get there. Yeah. we'll be hopeful. I will look out over the, the this you know I love this time of the year because the green is just you know that that green that comes in May when plants are just getting themselves going it's so gorgeous. Mm. So yeah so you look I will look out over that and and believe that this planet will continue. We will get it sorted. Yes.
1: Because one last thing, something that has come to me through the shamanic work is that actually that belief being real, because I'm beginning to believe, I'm beginning to understand, and that's a different thing to believing, that the energetic space that we bring to the world is the single most important thing we can offer. And that if I can wake each morning Alive with the glory of living, alive with the glory of possibility, and seeing that way forward to a future that I absolutely believe is possible and that I really want and that I can see future generations flourishing in for everybody, human and more than human world. Then I'm setting an energetic pattern, a kind of scaffolding, On which a future can grow Hmm. and it doesn't mean that I don't occasionally fall into despair or rage or terror but those are not useful and there's a big distinction between being in denial of those and accepting that those are real and that there are many things to be raging and terrified and despairing of but that doesn't mean I can't put a lot of my energetic emotional and spiritual bandwidth into creating an energetic possibility of a future that works. Yes. And I think then I am different in the world. And I think carrying that difference is probably the most valuable thing I can do at the moment. No. No, I agree. What's really inspiring me at the moment is we are so near so many edges, but so many very, very, very smart people know that and are working in their different ways to not see us go over the edge. And if we can just add our, you know, our grain of sand in their beach or our molecule of water to their tidal wave, then then there's still hope.
0: Thank you for listening. Manda referenced a number of great resources, including right on Composter and the Johnson Sioux Bioreactor. I've put links to all of these references in the show notes so you don't have to worry about trying to remember them while you're listening to this podcast. If something sounded interesting, just go to sequestercarbon.com and look up the show notes for this episode. So remember, we can make a difference in the climate change crisis. You may decide that you're not ready yet to build your own Johnson Sioux bioreactor. That's okay. I'm not sure I'm ready yet either, but I want to throw a lot of these ideas out there because you never know what's going to be the perfect fit for somebody else. For myself, I listen to these podcasts and many others and I do a lot of reading and then I pick out the things that fit my climate and the land that I have some influence over and that things that I can manage that I can do. And I know it may not seem as though anything that any of us are doing can really make a difference given the size of the problem, but our numbers do add up. One person alone may not get very far, but if enough of us head off in this direction of doing things that can help to mitigate climate change, then others will begin to notice and they'll begin to turn with us in the direction of making the choices that are good for the planet. We can make a difference in the climate change crisis. And together, we're learning how.